Continuing in our Breathe series this morning, and uh, Chris did a great job last week of talking about uh, the, the topic of serving and uh, uh, showing our love to one another, um, and how we can get the breath of God by serving uh, each other. And then uh, uh, we did this thing at the end called Triple uh, A, and that was to affirm someone, to uh, to act in in, uh, in service, and uh, maybe to look at the assets that we have that we can help others with. And so. Uh, we had a great conversation in our small group about it, and so uh, I hope uh, you got a lot out of that last week. Uh, but today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, another one of uh, what we call a spiritual practice. And throughout this Breathe series, we've been looking at different spiritual practices. So this morning, as you came in, um, I probably made some of you pretty angry this morning. And that is because I withheld mints from you. And uh, so there's a lot of you I know that were mints, uh, that uh, you are obsessed with those mints. And uh, then we withheld M&Ms from you as well. These are our two biggest consumers here at Generation Church. Um, I nearly withheld the coffee from you, but I thought we're not at that stage yet. There might be a mutiny if we held some coffee from you. And so uh, uh, I I didn't want to be responsible for what might happen uh, at all. But we withheld these mints from you you and uh, these M&Ms and uh, I'm going to withhold them from you for the rest of the service and uh, uh, and I guarantee the more you look at them and the more you see them, the more you're going to want to desire them and uh, so this is, my, uh, uh, this is my promise to you today. After service is over, you can feast on these as much as you like, okay? Uh, but has anyone ever tried to diet in their life? Let me see your hand, right? You've tried to diet. I don't know if you're like me, but if you've tried to diet, this is what happens. You withhold something from your life, and the moment you withhold it, you have these deep, deep, deep desires for more of what you're withholding, right? So if you're trying to cut bread out of your diet, suddenly you start smelling bread everywhere, right? You go to Outback, and you want their bread. You go to Red Lobster, and you want that cheesy bread thing that they have. You know, I mean, you go everywhere, and it's just like... Oh, I smell the bread. I just want carbs, right? If you try to like eliminate candy from your life, like everywhere you go, like you go to work, everyone's desk has like candy bars there and like, you know, little Hershey kisses all around, like, oh, one won't hurt. You know, so when you try to diet and eliminate something from your diet, it's tough and you want even more and more of that. I don't know what it is about uh, kind of our, our, our lives and our and our brains that wants it even more. Well, today, we're not going to talk about dieting, but we're going to talk about something that can be perceived very similar. We're going to talk about the spiritual practice of fasting. So this morning, you didn't even know it, but you have been fasting these little mints, and you've been fasting M&Ms this morning, and you did not even know it. And after today, we're going to break our fast, and we're going to feast, okay? And so, uh, but we are going to be talking about the spiritual practice of fasting today. Like I said, I needed made you fast coffee, but I didn't think we're there yet. So fasting, though, is a funny kind of spiritual practice. It's something that a lot of people do not do, some people do do, but fasting 
is unlike any of the other topics that we've been talking about through this Breathe series. So this, through this Breathe series, we've been talking about the importance of talking Scripture with other people for when you talk about God with the people of God, God shows up. Uh, we, 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 we've talked about the, the need for solitude in times of silence. And so we can hear clearly from God. We, we talked about Sabbath keeping and the need for rest. And Sabbath is almost like fasting. It is stopping for one day a week from working so that you can rest. And then we've talked um, uh, about confessing and forgiving. Then last week we talked about serving others. Now, all those spiritual practices that we've talked about so far, they are things that as a believer of Jesus, I believe it is important to include in the daily or weekly rhythms of your life. So it's something that you should regularly be practicing, something that becomes second nature to you, almost get in the habit of doing those things. And so it's something when you see your life, then that's something that should be going on regularly. It becomes second nature. However, fasting is totally different. Because fasting is something that you do not have in the regular rhythm of your life. See, there are appropriate times and seasons to fast. But there are also times and seasons where it is more appropriate to feast than to fast. See, fasting isn't something that we should be doing every single day. Fasting isn't even something that we probably should be doing every week. Fasting may not even be something you should do every year, uh, every month. And for some of you, fasting may not even be something that you do even every year. Now, the majority of Christians do not partake in fasting. Because I know that because I ask a lot of people, and I'm like, and, and, and I fast, and when I talk about the fastings I do with people, they're like, oh, I've never fasted before. Uh, the majority of Christians never partake in fasting, which I think is a kind of a shame, because fasting is a wonderful, wonderful spiritual practice to get hold of. Now, the number one reason people do not fast is this. I hear this. I just can't do it because I physically cannot fast. That's what I hear. And this is what I know. You can physically fast and you're telling yourself a lie and you're believing yourself a lie. Because everybody can actually fast. You say, well, there are side effects to fasting. I can't do it. My blood sugar gets too low or, you know, other things happen. I get headaches and you don't want me with a headache, you know. And you hear a lot of these things. Yes, there are side effects of fasting. Yes, sometimes your blood sugar gets too low. Sometimes you get really tired. Sometimes your head hurts. And sometimes you just get hangry, right? That's what happens. The side, there are side effects to fasting, but this is what I know. The results of fasting far outweigh the side effects of fasting. Fasting should be approached like working out. Right. If someone does not work out, someone, you know, maybe you want to start maybe uh, on your bucket list in life is to run the marathon. Right. Like there was a Baltimore marathon yesterday to run a marathon. That's your goal in life. Well, you just don't wake up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to go and run 26 point what, two, three miles. You just don't do that. You start by little at a time. And you do little steps and maybe it's like, I'm going to go and run 100 meters or I'm going to go and run 200 meters. Because for some of you, you feel like you've run a marathon after running 200 meters, right? And you go little at a time and you build yourself up. And it's the same with fasting. Fasting shouldn't be something saying, you know what? I'm going to be like Jesus and I'm going to do a 40-day fast right now. 
You know, I guarantee you're not even going to get to lunchtime before you're like, mm, I think it's a good idea to break this fast right now. <laughs> Fasting should be approached like working out. Small steps lead to bigger steps. And this is how I know. So every year, January 2nd, I look forward to January 2nd. I love that day. Not because it's the new year, even though I like the new year. Normally, I don't like January because it's really cold. But January 2nd, I love it because it's the day every year I start an annual fast. So I've been doing this for like over 10 years. January 2nd is the day. And when I started, I started just fasting one day. One day for the beginning of the year. And then it evolved and I worked myself up to three days. And after three days, I'm like, oh my word, I'm going to die. But then over time, I worked myself up to a week and then up to 10 days. And for the last three years, I've partaken in a 21-day fast where it's just no food. Now, I'm not going to not have drinks because I need to drink water and juice and coffee. And uh, so I do have that stuff. But just I, I withhold food from my body, whole food, food that you chew for 21 days. And it's an amazing thing. Some people, like I remember a, a guy I work with, first year he came in, he started in January, and he was like, who is this crazy guy? Like not eating, what's going on with him? But I've done it year on year, and I see more value every single year when I do it. So I love January 1st because it is fasting season for me. The, the month before has been feasting season, and my belly shows it's been feasting season. But January 2nd is fasting season for me. And I want to share with you five things that happen to me every January in my life. This is what happens by doing this fast. It helps me get my priorities right. It helps me to focus on the year ahead. It helps me to shake off the baggage of the previous year. It helps me to hear more clearly from God. And then finally, it enables me to go depths in my relationship with God that I never believed I could do. So every January 2nd, I start a fast. And every January 23rd, in the evening when I finished it, I feel all these five things have happened. It's an amazing thing that happened. Now, I'm not just saying that say, hey, look at me. Look, I fast. You know, because... Fasting is a private thing. Fasting is something, really, the Bible talks about. Don't tell everybody about fasting, Jesus said. He said, lock yourself away. Like, put some, like, makeup on so you don't look like you're on death's door when you're fasting. You know, it's like, put some perfume on or put some cologne on so, like, people can't even see that, that you're fasting. Don't get so grouchy with other people because it's a private thing. But... You hear a lot about fasting in, 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 today's, in today's society. A lot of the health people talk about fasting. They talk about juice fast, right? So in January, lots of people juice fast to detox from all the food that they've eaten over the Christmas and New Year season. So you, you hear even people doing water fast to help their skin be cleaner and things like that. Well, fasting in the biblical sense is not that. It is not just not eating. That is not what fasting in the biblical sense is. See, fasting in the biblical sense is abstaining from a regular human function in order to communicate with God. It's not just abstaining and say, hey, look at me, what I'm doing. 
It's abstaining from something in order to replace that to communicate with God. The Bible is full of many types of fasts. The majority of fasts in the Bible are fasts from food. But some people even fasted from water as well. Moses went up into the mountain and did not drink water or, or food or did not eat food for 40 days. How did he even live? I don't even know. That's just a mystery. But there were times when people fasted from work, i.e. a Sabbath. There was even fasting. Paul talks about fasting from relations within your marriage, physical relations within your marriage for a season of time so that you can concentrate and focus on God. Some of you are like, man, that's some crazy fasting right there. There is other times in the Bible where people fasted from sleep with the purpose to communicate with God. Now, so this is what is important to know about fasting. Fasting is not a permanent thing. Fasting is for a set time. It is for a season. It is a temporary condition. Fasts are to be broken. Also, fasting is private, like I said. It can be done in community with others, but it is an individual act. I love January 2nd. But I equally love January 23rd because I get to feast and break my fasts. Fasts are to be broken. The act of fasting in itself is not the goal. It is to pray in place of what is being withheld. It is the purpose to concentrate more on God than what your body or your, your mind is telling you you need. It's saying, it's forcing your life saying, you know, I'm going to concentrate on God in this moment. Now, I want to share with you a story in the Bible that's found in three of the Gospels. And each Gospel account gives almost identical uh, reporting of what happened and what Jesus said. Now, when you look at the Gospels, there's lots of stories that are said in the different Gospels. And each author kind of gives his different take uh, on, on what has happened. And there's some differences. But this story is almost identical. And it's found in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9 and verses 14 to 17. Matthew 9, 14 to 17. It's also found in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22, and also in Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 39. But we're not going to read all of them because they're almost identical. So let's read the Matthew version. Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 17. This is what it says. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while they are celebrating with the groom? Of course not. Someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. 
So here, Jesus is asked the question by the disciples of John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist was that crazy guy with the long hair, and he was like camel skin for his clothes. He, 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 he ate locusts, and he lived in the wilderness. He was the guy that, as parents, you tell your kids, stay away from that guy. He was just a little crazy. Well, he had these disciples. He was mightily used of God. And remember, he was the one that baptized Jesus. He was the cousin of Jesus. He baptized Jesus. And he proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the guy. His disciples come up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, we noticed something about your disciples. They don't fast like we fast. And they don't fast like the disciples fast. In fact, Probably they don't fast at all. Like, Jesus, what's up with that? Why are they not fasting? And by asking that of Jesus, what they are basically saying, they're saying, Jesus, why are you not teaching your disciples to fast? It's basically what they're saying. Because what the disciple did was a direct reflection on the rabbi's teaching. They would do what the rabbi would teach. So they're saying, Jesus, you're the rabbi and your disciples are not fasting. That means I think you don't believe in fasting and you don't fast yourself. Now, according to Jewish law, there was one day in Jewish law that everybody was commanded to fast. It was like the doomsday of every day. You know, it's like, oh, no, I've got to prepare myself. I've got to load up the day before with the carbs so I can have this one day when I don't eat. And it was called the Day of Atonement. Now, on this day, this was the day that the high priest would take a sacrificial lamb, take the blood from the lamb, walk into the temple, walk into the place called the Holies of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, which represented the presence of God. He would go around and sprinkle the blood around the Holies of Holies as a, as a gift to God, as a sacrifice for the sins of Israel for the prior year. And if the priest lived, God accepted the sacrifice. If the priest was struck down, God did not accept the sacrifice. So he had a little bell on his, on his foot so they could hear the bell. If the bell stopped ringing, they would tie a rope around him. They would pull him back out. I'm like, who wants to be a high priest, right? That's what would happen. And on this day, this was the only day in Scripture that was commanded that the Israelites were to fast one day. However, even though the law commanded only one day, fasting had become a regular practice for the religious in Israel. Many of the Pharisees who were the, religious of teacher, the, the teachers of religious law, they would fast two, even more, three, four times a week. They would regularly fast. They would bring it into the regular rhythms of their life. They would, they would fast a lot. Throughout the Old Testament, you see numerous occasions where people fast, and nearly all the heroes of the Old Testament fasted. Moses fasted, David fasted, Nehemiah fasted, Ezra fasted, Daniel he regularly fasted. Uh, Joel called a fast for all of Israel. The list goes on and on. So the disciples of John the Baptist are scratching their head. They come to Jesus and they'll say, why are your disciples not fasting? And Jesus gives this abstract, almost random response. It's almost like a riddle, like what is Jesus really saying? 
But in his response, we find the answers to when we should fast and why we should fast. So in these three responses, this is the first one Jesus gives. Wedding guests do not fast. Wedding guests do not fast. Jesus says, the guests of a wedding don't fast when the bridegroom are present. Now, in ancient Israel, things were a little different to today. Now, when I got married, I had to wait 45 minutes from the time our wedding was supposed to begin for my wife to walk in. She says it was 15, but do not believe her. It was 45. <laughs> I should have known that the rest of my marriage would be about this waiting, like this, right? But that's what happened. That is regular occurrence, not 45 minutes. That is not regular. But to wait for the bride in our culture is regular. In ancient Israel, it was different. The girl waited for the guy. I kind of like that. You know, that's kind of cool. The bridegroom would come unannounced. Nobody would know when the bridegroom would come. Everybody would sit there and, wait and sit around and wait for the bridegroom to come. And when the bridegroom came, then everybody shouted out that the bridegroom is here. Now, what would happen when the bridegroom was not there? The guests would have to wait and they would fast. They would not be able to eat until the bridegroom came. I mean, you've all been to those weddings, right? You've had the wedding, and then they take forever with the photographs. And all you're thinking is, when is the food coming? When is the food coming? All I want is the food, and we're getting hungry here. Come on, get the food out. Well, this was what happened in ancient Israel. They were waiting for the, for the bridegroom. But as soon as the bridegroom came, this is what happened. The buffet's open, and everyone goes and feasts as soon as the bridegroom came. And so Jesus says this, guests do not fast when the bridegroom is here. Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. Now what would happen if somebody was going through a season of fasting in their life and a wedding procession came through their community or a wedding ceremony was happening in their town, then they would have to, by Jewish law, break that fast and go and feast. And then when the wedding was over, they could go back to their fast. And this would happen a lot for some of the Pharisees and the rabbis. They were going through a season of fasting, but then they would have to break the fast, go eat, because the feasting during the, during the, the wedding was more important than the fasting. And this is what Jesus is saying. Look, I'm here. The bridegroom is here. There's no need to fast while I am here. Now, what this tells us is that a good time to fast would be when we are waiting for God to show up. When we are waiting for Jesus to show up in our lives, that is a great time to fast. But when God shows up, it's not time to fast anymore. It's time to feast. It's time to celebrate. I find January 2nd in my life a very spiritual moment. And throughout the, the, the time in January, is very spiritual. But what is equally as spiritual is January 23rd when I get to break my fast and I feast. See, fa fasting is spiritual. Feasting is also spiritual as well. And so Jesus is saying, look, while you're waiting for me, 
then you should fast. But while I'm here, now it is time to feast. Then Jesus gives two other examples or two other responses that are very similar, have the same meaning as each other. The first one, he says this, new patches don't work on old clothes. New patches don't work on old clothes. So in ancient Israel, it was a little different to today. We didn't have an array of shops that we can go to. We did not have, they did not have Amazon that they could go on and in two days they get that item at their doorstep. You know, they, they, they did not have, you know, the TJ Maxx's or the Marshall's, you know, or the Ross's of the world where girls get great deals, but guys never get a good deal, right? They, they did not have that stuff. Clothes were precious. So when you got a hole in your clothes, you didn't just throw them away. Give them to goodwill. You would patch them up. But you would never put a brand new patch of cloth on an old piece of garment. First, you'd wash that cloth. And you would make sure that that cloth is very similar to the old cloth. Why? Because what would happen when new cloth is washed, what happens? It shrinks. So if you put new cloth on old cloth, as soon as you wash it, the new cloth will shrink and it will tear the old cloth. And so Jesus is saying, you would never do that. And then he gives this other response. And he says, you never put new wine in old wineskins. You never put new wine in old wineskins. So for those of you who like wine, could you imagine getting your wine from a wineskin? A wineskin was basically animal skin, right? I mean, you're putting your wine in that, kind of a little strange. But what they would do is they would get the new wine and they would make a wine skin and they would pour the wine in there. And then as the wine sat in it fermented, the wine would cause the skin to start to stretch. And as the skin started to stretch, it would mold with the wine as the wine fermented. However, if you poured that wine out and you put new wine in after the old wine skin has already stretched, now the new wine will ferment even more and cause that to stretch and it will burst the old wine skin, meaning that wine then will spill and the wine skin will be destroyed. And so Jesus says, you don't put new wine in old wine skins. And this is Jesus' response to these people. Basically, this is what Jesus is saying. The purpose of fasting before Jesus was not the purpose of fasting after Jesus came. Remember, Jesus is responding, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus is saying, look, how it was before, it is now different to how it is now and this is what I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe the majority, of fast, the majority of Christians who fast are doing so with an old wineskin and not a new wineskin. This is what I mean. As you study the Old Testament, fasting is a common theme. But in the common theme, this was the common theme of fasting. Fasting was conducted in a spirit of mourning. Either someone was dying, a war had been lost, a sin had been committed, or the people had lost their way. When you read through the majority of the fasts in the Old Testament, it was a negative experience why they were fasting. You could often tell someone was fasting 
for they would wear what they call sackcloth. And they would sprinkle ashes on their head. They would do the same when someone died. And so someone would walk around with this sackcloth and ashes, and everybody would know, uh, don't go next to Bob, because Bob's going to be grumpy, because he hasn't eaten for days. You would know it, because it was done in this negative experience. See, what would happen in their lives is they would get to a point where they could not take life anymore. That life became too hard. Life hurt so much that they were totally out of breath in their life that they needed something to revive their life. And so they needed an oxygen mask. And so they would come and they would breathe. It would be like somebody who had asthma. If you've ever had asthma, you know when an asthma attack comes that you can't breathe, that, that, that your lungs suddenly stop functioning and you need to, to, to get one of these oxygen masks and hook it up to an oxygen tank and you need to breathe so that you can get breath back into your life again. And that is what a lot of the Old Testament fasts were. They were people who were at the end of their rope, who did not know what to do. And so they turned to God and, 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 and they did everything they could so that God could come and bring breath back into their life again. So they would take their spiritual oxygen mask of fasting and try to start to breathe. So they, they would be able to carry on in their life. And that's the theme throughout the Old Testament when you see fasting. For those of you who have fasted in your life, think about the reasons why you fasted. More than likely for the majority of people, you fasted because life got the best of you. Life was in dire straits. You did not know where to turn and you needed God to come. And that's not bad because Jesus promises us that God is always with us. The psalmist says that I was in the mire and the clay and God, you lifted me out and you put my feet on a rock. And so it is not bad to fast when you go through those moments in life, when you go through those, old, those terrible times when you are gasping for air and you need God to show up in your life. That is not a bad time. But in direct, a direct response to what Jesus is being asked, Jesus is saying, there's a new wineskin. There's a new way to fast. Jesus is saying there is a better way to fasting than waiting until you are gasping for air. And that's what I call the New Testament fast. Jesus was not against fasting. As a lot of the observers at the time thought that Jesus was against fasting. For in fact, Jesus partook in a fast. In fact, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days to fast. As you read the Acts of the Apostles and the Epistles of the Apostles, you will notice that they believed in fasting. They did not fast, though, like the people in the Old Testament. They fasted with new wineskins. Instead of their fasting being grabbing an oxygen mask, like they had asthma because they could not breathe, instead, it was the act of taking oxygen before they even went on an endeavor. Now, I'm doing a wedding in Colorado in January. My wife is not pleased that we have to go to Colorado in January. I'm stoked about it. 
But the people I'm doing the wedding for told me the other day that as wedding favors to everybody, they're giving oxygen tanks. Because Colorado is like high up in the, in the hills, right? Up in the mountains. The altitude is a little higher. The air gets a little thinner. People can't breathe as much. And so they're saying, so we're giving everybody as favors oxygen tanks. So I can imagine my son just going to town, you know? I'm just glad they're not helium tanks. But this is what they're giving to everyone. So I decided I'm going to go and buy one of these, see if it really works. And so I read the reviews on this on Amazon, of course, right? And so this is an oxygen tank. And what they say is that when you go on a hike, take this with you. But before you even start, take a breath. And it's fresh air. I mean, it feels like nothing when you, when, when you breathe it in. But what they say, when the higher you go, the more this starts to... Get, make, uh, make your lungs be clearer, helps you breathe. I've even seen like athletes use these and even people saying that I can even think better when I'm breathing with these. So before I do anything, you know, that's going to be like working out or going on a hike, I take a breath of oxygen. And I want to give you an example today. This is the Old Testament fa- fast. This is the New Testament fast. This is the new wineskin. Let me explain very quickly because I know my time's running out this morning. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, and then Matthew states the obvious, and he became very hungry, right? Jesus fasted for 40 days before Jesus ever went and taught anybody anything about the kingdom of God. Before Jesus ever did a miracle, Jesus fasted. Jesus thought it was important to get alone with God, spend time with God, before he even did anything talking about the kingdom of God. Then Jesus gets his disciples and his disciples do not fast while Jesus is there. And then we turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, the, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, has just met Jesus. Once he persecuted Christians, he meets Jesus, he realizes who Jesus is, and he gives his life to Jesus. And then it says this in Acts chapter 9 and verse 9. Paul remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. So Paul, as soon as he becomes a believer of Jesus Christ, he starts this fast. He's blind. He did not eat. He did not drink. All he's thinking about is God. And then as we move on into Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, it says this. One day, as the men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul, who became Paul, for the special work which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So here now we're seeing how New Testament people are fasting. They are now thinking about who is going to go and tell about the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles and the different, and the different Jews and the different people groups all out. And so what do they do? They spend time fasting and praying to determine what God wants them to do. And then fast forward another chapter, Acts chapter 14, verse 23. It tells us this. 
Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So Paul went and started all these new churches with his partner Barnabas, but it was time for him to leave. So before he leaves, he got before God in prayer and fasting and said, God, who do you want me to leave as elders or leaders of this church so that we can move on and this church can thrive? They are asking God or they're trying to get before God and get clarity of what God wants them to do even before they're making a decision. There is a distinct difference between fasting in the new wineskin and the old wineskin. There's two things I see. The first one is this. Fasting is always accompanied by prayer in the new wineskin. Secondly, fasting was a proactive act, not a reactionary response to a situation. A proactive act not a reactionary response to a situation. So as we close today, I wonder how our spiritual awareness of God would increase if we devoted ourselves to fast in a season of decision so that we can concentrate on communicating with our Heavenly Father. Let me say it in a different way. If fasting enables us to hear the direction of the Holy Spirit louder and clearer. And it helps us to hear God more. Then would we make wiser and better decisions? And I'm going to give you the answer. Yes, it will. I love my times of fasting. But I do not do them because they're a biblical commandment, for they're not. They're not a biblical commandment. In fact, nowhere Jesus says you must fast. You must spend a time of fasting. God does not look upon those who fast any differently upon those who never have fasted in their lives. For fasting is not a biblical commandment. But I decided each year that I'm going to partake in a fast because I desire to climb higher peaks and go further in my faith than I've ever been before. And so this is why I fast. Before I start the hike, I take a breath. Today, I normally try to leave you with something practical to do. But because fasting is not a commandment of Scripture, I'm not going to tell you, you know what, this week, why don't you start fasting? Why don't you skip a meal? Why don't you get off Facebook? Why don't you, you know, do whatever is stopping you from communicating with God? I'm not going to do that. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to start to think about what is in your near future. Do you have a big decision to make? Are you at a crossroads? Do you need wisdom or direction? Are you about to partake in a new endeavor? Are you a little scared of the journey ahead? If so, then I ask that you may start considering starting the practice of fasting in your life and maybe even entering a season of fasting.
This is why Jesus saw value in it. Peter and the other disciples saw value in it. Paul and Barnabas saw value in it. I've seen incredible value in my life in it. And my prayer for you today is that I, will, I hope that you start to see the value of fasting. Because in fasting, you start to gain more wisdom, you gain more clarity, you gain more direction, and you experience more of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you withhold from yourself in order to communicate with God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, like I said, Scripture does not tell us we have to fast. Some people will go through their life and God will be very, very pleased with them and they would have never fasted a day in their lives. But the reason I shared my story of fasting is because for me, it has totally changed my life. I've been able to see God more clearly. I've been able to hear Him louder. I've seen year on year on, the more I've dedicated more time to withhold my, from myself and say to my mind and my body, no, I'm giving more to God. That God has shown up in incredible ways. And I want to encourage you today. If you're in a season where you know you've got a road ahead that is onshore. Or maybe you've got some big things that you know have got coming up. To partake in a moment, in a season where you decide to withhold from yourself. For some of you, and the majority of us, it would be food because that is what our body longs the most. But for some of you, it may be other things like phone usage or internet usage, TV. But I encourage you to start to think about what a fast could do in your life. This is what I know it does for me. It enables the breath of the Almighty, as Job put it, to come and fill me with life again. And so I'm going to pray for you. And as we pray, we dismiss. And you can feast on these mints and these M&Ms if you want. But as I pray today, even if you will never enter into a fast, this is what I hope is that through this sermon, this talk today, that you'll start to focus more on God and realize I need more clarity and more wisdom and more direction from my heavenly Father. So whatever I can do to get the breath of life within me, I will do it so I know where God is leading me and God is taking me. So Father God, today we thank you for the incredible stories that we see in the Bible. We thank you for the new wineskins 
that have been made, God, when you came and you gave your life for us. We thank you that no longer, God, we have to have a day of atonement where we are just crossing our fingers and just hoping that God will accept a sacrifice. But God, we know that we are forgiven of our sins, Lord Jesus, and you are pleased with us. God, that is amazing, new wineskin. And we are so happy that we get to partake in it. But Father, this morning we pray that that you will show us ways, God, that we can receive more of you. And if that is in fasting, God, that, that, that you will help us as we partake on a journey or a season where we will withhold from ourselves to spend time communicating with you. Lord, we need to hear from you. We need to see you. We need to feel you. God, we need you to show up in amazing ways. We need your clarity. We need your wisdom. We need your direction in our lives. So Father, today, for all those, God, in this place who maybe are heading on a new path or they are unclear about what the future may hold, Father, I pray today that you will start to give them the clarity that they need as we take the breath of God in us that gives us life. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.